Passion, drive, and patience. The formula for winning championships is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. Superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to make your car the MVP and bring home huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Kevin Durant has two teams on his wish list of where he wants to go after requesting a trade on June 30th away from the Brooklyn Nets. Yet neither team, the Phoenix Suns or the Miami Heat, have been able to land the Slim Reaper. No other team in the NBA has come close. What was a timeline look like for Kevin Durant? Seems like we are all in a holding pattern, just waiting on what the Brooklyn Nets are going to do and just how big of an offer he can command. Canty and Carlin, ESPN Radio, the ESPN app, Sirius XM Channel 80, and streaming live on ESPN Plus. Courtney Cronin, Amber Wilson, rolling with you on a Tuesday afternoon, sitting in for the guys. Amber, when I think of the Phoenix Suns and all that they have not done in free agency and all that remains to be done with DeAndre Ayton, who apparently is all but out the door, according to some reports via sign-and-trade, looks like the Indiana Pacers could be his potential next destination. And I think about all the things that the Phoenix Suns should be doing right now in their pursuit of Kevin Durant. You can't tell me that this team should not go all in be overly aggressive, do whatever they need to do to make Kevin Durant, Devin Booker, and Chris Paul a thing next season. Is there an assumption that they're not? I think part of the problem is the DeAndre Ayton component of the conversation. Now, there's a couple scenarios here. You mentioned that he might go to the Pacers via sign-in trade. That's best-case scenario for the Suns. However, there's this other scenario where he could just sign the offer sheet, and that's incredibly problematic for the Phoenix Suns. And let's not forget where the relationship was between Aiton and the Phoenix Suns, right? Like, is Aiton going to be willing to help out the Suns in any capacity? If he just signs an offer sheet, then that's it for the Suns. Like, they lose him for nothing in that scenario because they're not going to pony up and match it, and that's worst-case scenario. They can't include him in a trade or any sort of deal with Brooklyn then, obviously. Uh, It's not a sign-and-trade type of situation, so they can't get anything back. That is what we're waiting to see. But apparently, it's the Malcolm Brogdon deal that has slowed all these wheels turning because they needed that cap space to free up before they could finalize this deal for DeAndre Ayton. And so it's kind of been a very confusing situation where we have all these reports. And Courtney, if you look at how they're worded too – 
the reports that are all out there circulating, like they're all kind of worded strange and you don't really know whether we're talking about a sign and trade or an offer sheet signing. We don't really know what the situation is here with DeAndre Ayton, where it appears that he's going to the Pacers and it should get done any second. Those details make a huge darn difference. So mm-hmm. I'm guessing the Phoenix Suns are doing everything they can behind the scenes. They may be somewhat limited, though, on what they can do, depending on what Ayton and the Pacers do here. And and the problem with, like, the NBA, it's not like the NFL or some other sports where it can be, like, two teams involved and that's it. Like, this Kevin Durant trade, if he ends up going from Brooklyn to Phoenix, will come by way more than likely with a third team getting involved here because you need, like... It's bas- it sounds like it's kind of like a mortgage, right? Like you need another team to be able to take on the loan but in that coming via the draft capital that would end up getting circumvented back to the Brooklyn Nets. It's like it's so confusing, and I honestly am hoping that something does get done here sooner rather than later so we can actually figure out all the chess pieces and how they moved and then analyze just exactly a deal of this size of what we expect it to be could get done. But we don't know the timeline for the Kevin Durant move, what it could potentially look like. It feels like things are being held very close to the vest from the Brooklyn Nets perspective. So let's ask an expert. Here's Nick Friedell, ESPN NBA reporter who was on Keyshawn, Jay Will, and Max, letting us know what a potential timeline for a KD move looks like. There are plenty of people out here, guys, who think that this thing is going to stretch for a while and potentially into the season and the The real interesting factor here will be whether Kevin at some point says, hey, I want out. I'm not going to to come to camp. I I don't want to go through the motions. I don't want to be here anymore. Or whether if it gets to that point that he'll say, all right, let's play this out. I'd still like to be moved. I will tell you there is hope internally, and all it is is hope right now, that there's still a couple months in play here. And if they can't get a deal that fits for everybody, that maybe Kevin says, hey, I like New York City, and I think this team still could have a chance, and we'll see what happens. ESPN Radio is presented by Progressive Insurance. That was Nick Friedel, ESPN NBA reporter who kind of left the door open there, Amber, for what a potential Durant return, even though he hasn't left yet, would look like for the Brooklyn Nets. And I do find it interesting if he says, I don't want to come to camp, I don't want to deal with any of this. Like, it's not, you know, again, I keep comparing it to the NFL in this respect just to prove how different this is. It's not like he's going to get fined for that the way that players would. I mean, yes, he's under contract. He would start losing money if he doesn't start playing in games. So if they can't, get a deal done before the start of the 2022-2023 season, he's going to be playing for the Brooklyn Nets. Might he be happy about it? Maybe not, but there's, I feel, a very realistic possibility that he ends up back with the Brooklyn Nets this year because of the reported asking price. Because a player like Kevin Durant, it's technically still out there on the market. Now, you know, we know that Brooklyn can play hardball all they want here, and, and reportedly they have with certain teams. I and mean, when we heard what the what the rumor was for the Minnesota Timberwolves when they picked up the phone and called and said, Hey, would he be would he be available and at what cost? And that was presumably before they traded away four first-round picks, basically five, because they threw in Walker Kessler, uh, who was their draft pick this year, for Rudy Gobert. But, you know, the the asking price could be so astronomical that no team, you know, they're going to call their bluff and be like, we just can't do this. So that's how he would end up staying 
with the Brooklyn Nets after all that this summer that he doesn't actually end up in Phoenix or in Miami. I have a hard time believing it because we also heard the same song and dance from the Brooklyn Nets about James Harden, that they weren't going to trade him. And even though he wanted out at the end there, that they weren't going to get the deal done. And then alas, of course, he's a Philadelphia 76er. And so we've kind of seen this before from the Brooklyn front office. I also have a hard time believing that they would anger the player, Kevin Durant, uh, unnecessarily. If, in fact, they can, again, get some good in return for him. Now, the problem with KD, because we keep looking at the market and where Rudy Gobert set the market, and presumably they would want, apparently, other reports out there that they want, you know, all-star or all-stars in return as well as draft pick. So it's kind of like you want to skirt the line if you're the Nets. You want to be good in the interim, you know, maybe not championship good, but you want to be good. You don't want to have the tank years or the down years, but then also you want to be able to rebuild on the back end and get even better through the draft. The problem is for them that Kevin Durant is in his almost mid-30s, right? And that's the reality of it, is that he's not some 22-year-old piece that you're bringing in. Even though KD has four years left on his deal, I'm not sure if teams are thinking four years with KD. This isn't four years back in 2016 with KD. This is four years of Kevin Durant at an age where maybe two of those are still prime. I mean, I think we think KD's still playing in his prime right now, Courtney, but he has shown the injuries mm-hmm. are starting to wear on his body. And so that's a concern for any team trading for him. It's a very different conversation if he's 30 years old than where he's at now. Or if he's still in his 20s, of course, in a wildly different conversation than where he has he is at now. And I'm guessing those are the conversations that are happening amongst these teams. Only a couple of years removed from that ruptured Achilles during the 2019 NBA Finals that caused him to miss the following season, his first one, with the Brooklyn Nets. Now, he could in theory, end up a lot of different places that are not Phoenix or Miami. But when it comes to the Phoenix Suns, and we'll get into this a little bit later on the show, a team that has struck out now twice in their pursuit of an NBA championship in recent years, it makes a whole ton of sense for where they're at right now to go all in on Kevin Durant, given the landscape of the Western Conference, given the fact that this is not a typical free free agent hotbed in luring free agents there. And the fact of the matter is it's like an ownership group that is arguably one of the worst and one of the most toxic in the NBA. So Kevin Durant coming to your organization changes a whole ton of things, both in the short term and the long term. So Phoenix right now, as we kind of wait to see what's going to happen here, maybe in the next day or so with DeAndre Ayton and how that's going to impact a Durant trade, feels like they've got to be all in to try to land Kevin Durant and see if they can turn around their fate or continue to ride the train with a team that just won 64 games in the regular season and was the one seed in the Western Conference Finals. It's Canty and Carlin, ESPN Radio, ESPN app. Coming up next, Tiger says that live players turn their backs on the PGA Tour. We discuss his comments made ahead of St. Andrews. Coming up next, Canty and Carlin, ESPN Radio, and the ESPN app. This podcast is proud to be supported by Jets Pizza, the number one pick in Detroit-style pizza. Why? It's simple. Jets is better. With the thickest, crispiest, cheesiest Detroit-style pizza in the country, there's no competition. Right now, get $5 off any eight-corner pizza with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Go to JetsPizza.com to learn more and find a location near you. 
Again, try Jets' signature eight-corner pizza and get $5 off with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Jets Pizza. Better because it has to be. And Venera in Cleveland, not just with Baker Mayfield leaving via trade for the Carolina Panthers, but no more at home with Baker Mayfield progressive commercials during his first press conference since the trade. On Tuesday, Baker Mayfield says that he wanted to do a moving out version of those super cheesy, super awesome, yet super, good. super overplayed commercials, but it didn't work out. He called it a, quote, missed opportunity. How does that not work out? That's an atrocity that that doesn't work out. That would have been perfect. You know how it doesn't work Come out, on, Amber? Progressive. What are we doing? Contracts and money. This is Canty and Carlin on ESPN Radio, the ESPN app. Courtney Cronin, Amber Wilson sitting in for the guys on this Tuesday afternoon. I wonder what Baker's asking price for that was because it sounds like maybe he had to like renegotiate a new deal. Maybe it was a one-year thing. I mean, he had probably five or six of these when you think back to last year where there's one being locked out of the stadium, there's one with Alice Cooper at the Hall of Fame. There's the one where his he, wife's involved. Yeah, in they're them. sitting in the stadium and, you know, the popcorn, they go and like get the popcorn from the concession stand. There were a he's lot the of best these. actor in the NFL. He, he's the best commercial actor in the NFL. Uh, they're really, really funny commercials. If anybody can say things about Baker Mayfield, right, there's any number of things to say. Some of those things, of course, are negative. You cannot say something negative about those commercials. He's a brilliant brilliant commercial actor. He was really, really funny and witty in those commercials. Unbelievable, frankly. And this is a huge missed opportunity. I don't know what's happening here. Progressive. Also, we're sponsored by Progressive. ESPN Radio brought to you by Progressive Insurance. So I feel comfortable telling Progressive (laughs) to pony up and give Baker whatever he's demanding so that we can continue with your commercials. Yeah, maybe maybe they will strike a deal in the future. But apparently, as of right now, Baker Mayfield and starting over fresh in Carolina is not bringing the Progressive commercials with him. So last week he was traded. They something finally worked out between two parties that had mutual interest and then mutual disinterest and eventually had mutual interest enough for Baker Mayfield to get traded to the Carolina Panthers. The Panthers are going to pay $4.85 million of his salary while the Browns are going to pay $10.5 million. So it did cost Cleveland and it will cost Cleveland um, quite a bit of money to, to keep him to, to trade him because of the $18.8 million salary that he is owed for this year. That's on his fifth year option. He Don't did forget the take, money that Baker threw in as well. True. He did take a three and a half million dollar pay cut, which he's going to try to earn back with an incentive. So it should show you where Baker Mayfield is at as a quarterback and just kind of mentally preparing himself for this season. But today he talked and he addressed the trade and the quarterback competition that is apparently going to ensue during training camp. And nobody has the, uh, the mentality of being a backup. We're at this level because we compete to be the very best. And um, that's why Sam's here as well. And that's why Matt Corral just got drafted and PJ Walker's competed and fought through a lot of adversity as well. And so, you know, my intention is to become the best quarterback I can be, you know, I'm going to do my job. I'm going to, you know, fill whatever role is to be expected of me and be a great leader and a great teammate. So general manager, Scott Fitter of the Carolina Panthers confirmed 
the Panthers talked about last week that it's going to be a, quote, open competition between Baker Mayfield and Sam Darnold this summer. But when we look at this in reality, they didn't just bring him in to Carolina and they're not spending that kind of money for Baker Mayfield to be a backup. This is not only his last opportunity to get it right, to be a starting quarterback, Amber, it's the Carolina Panthers last chance to get it right. This front offices, this coaching staff's last chance to get it right because of how badly they've botched the quarterback position in that situation ever since Cam Newton left. Yeah, it feels like it's Matt Rule's last chance to get it right. I mean, they're not spending much on him like you mentioned, right? So really, theoretically, he could be the backup because you're paying Sam $19 million as opposed to the less than five that you're now on the books for Baker. But it just shows you the way Baker handled this introductory press conference, the way that he did leave that money on the table, even if maybe he can earn it back in incentives later on. I think it shows you that Baker wants to be here and that he's not shying away from the quarterback competition aspect of this because we knew it was going to be a competition. Now, I do think Baker ends up getting the job but don't forget he's behind Sam Darnold in terms of opportunity to learn the playbook here training camp is upon Mm -hmm. us Courtney I mean he is a step behind where not just because of the previous familiarity but now he's walking into the situation in July and he's got to get caught up real quick and then bada bing bada boom week one they take on his old team which by the way if he's under center that's going to be a huge storyline I'm not convinced he's going to be at the start of the season frankly oh I do think at some point Baker ends up winning the starting job. I'm not sure. I'm not convinced that the plan is to have Baker Mm. start week one. I do think maybe it is initially more of a true quarterback competition, but here's the real dirty truth, Courtney. Both of these guys might end up being a backup quarterback in the national football league next year because the future of that team is presumably Matt Corral. No, a hundred percent. I mean, they've traded they, they traded six picks to assemble a quarterback room that is Baker Mayfield, Sam Darnold, and Matt Corral. Also, P.J. Walker's in there, too, but they didn't trade anything, any assets to get him uh, after his short-lived XFL career. But that's interesting that you say that, that you don't think he's going to be the starting quarterback come week one. Like, I... I, I I I agree that it's an uphill battle. It's not just going to be as simple as like a plug-and-play type thing. Like, he hasn't been there. And while we do expect that certain quarterbacks can kind of walk into camp, especially veterans who might be on the verge of retiring, they might not be, and then they decide late, like, oh, I'm going to come in and play, like can pick up the playbook rather quickly – Like, there's a lot that goes into this situation, and it's not just X's and O's. It's Baker Mayfield said there in the bite that, you know, nobody comes in at that level having the mindset of being a backup quarterback, and he has to be not only the best quarterback he can be from, like, a a strengths perspective of, you know, on-the-field stuff, he has to be a great leader and a great teammate and win that locker room over. Let's not forget that Robbie Anderson – his number one wide receiver in Carolina, guy he's going to be playing with this fall, was not shy in his disdain early on for Baker Mayfield. I he's know he walked that it back. Robbie's walked he's it back. Walked he it said back that was he wants to get paid. Sam Darnold. Mm-hmm. Is what, well, he's mm-hmm. saying it's it's him supporting his guy. Yeah, I believe his QB one, right? Because and given they did also play together in New York, him and Sam Darnold, so they do have that connection. So that's what Robbie has said. Why he walked it back. 
But we know that those rumors about Baker Mayfield inside a locker room exist anyways, regardless of whatever Robbie Anderson put on his Instagram account. And Baker's going to have to earn that trust from a locker room he's never been a part of. Yeah, he's going to get reunited with a a couple former teammates, Rashard Higgins being one of them, which could be very good for him. But that in itself is a huge part of the equation as to whether he will succeed or whether he will be headed towards being a backup for the rest of his career. Candy and Carlin is presented by Progressive Insurance. Safe when you bundle motorcycle, RV, and boat insurance by visiting Progressive.com. Coming up next, ESPN Radio's two-a-day series continues with the Minnesota Vikings. Strengths, weaknesses, opportunities, and threats. This is Canty and Carlin on ESPN Radio. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code FIRSTTAKE and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more, more than, than ever. ever. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to gamble responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. This U.S. promotional offer not available in D.C., Mississippi, North Carolina, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 for New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. For Massachusetts, 1-800-327-5050. For Iowa, 1-800-BETS-OFF. For Puerto Rico, 1-800-981-0023. For West Virginia, Visit 1-800-GAMBLER.net. First bet offer for new customers only. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Why does it always sound like I like need a nasocort strip or like something? Because I'm so nasally on all of these rejoins that my lovely production crew at ESPN Radio likes to cut these clips and put them together. Do I sound like that now? Are you blaming our producers? No, I'm blaming myself. Am I in my own head? Do I sound as nasally as I did in that last one? Talking about Kirk. jarring when you hear your own voice. And you and I hear our own voices all the time because we're in such a strange business. It's jarring for anybody when they hear their own voice. You always sound different in your own head. That is you always true. sound better, I think. We do. We do hear the sound of our own vo- voice quite a bit here on Candy and Carl on ESPN Radio, the ESPN app. She's Amber Wilson. I'm Courtney Cronin. We're presented by Progressive Insurance. So, strengths, weaknesses, opportunities, and threats. Our SWAT analysis continues here on ESPN Radio's Two a Days, leading you into training camp in just under two weeks. The Minnesota Vikings, team that I used to cover for ESPN.com before I. Went down to Chicago to cover the Bears. Uh, just finished an 8-9 and nine season and then fired everyone, which felt like it was a long time coming. But they've got a brand new general manager, a brand new front office, a brand new coaching staff, and still the same quarterback. Kirk Cousins signed a one-year deal to remain with the Minnesota Vikings. It was a salary cap move, but it also gives them stability at the quarterback position. So that's kind of where we're going to head things off here. Amber, I'm going to go to you first with your strength for the Minnesota Vikings. Do you see it as the quarterback and the stability that they have, or do you see something else? I think maintaining that stability, particularly when you offed everybody all at once, like you said, I mean, so much change. It's nice to have Kirk Cousins at the helm, but I think the roster generally probably has a lot more talent than people realize when you look at it, Courtney. I mean, 
we know Cousins is not a bad quarterback. And then beyond him, you've got skill position talent. You've got highly drafted players now across the O-line and the D-line. Uh, you've got a lot of players defensively who maybe underperformed the last couple seasons, but you're hopeful that under a new staff might rise to the level of expectation. So I do think O'Connell steps into a pretty decent situation in terms of roster for a first-time head coach. Okay. That's fair. And I mean, right? Ke- I mean, Kevin O'Connell, they are. And from the skill position, I think you can put this group up against any of them in the NFC. You have Justin Jefferson and Adam Thielen at the wide receiver position. And Thielen may be coming off of the high ankle sprain that required him to have surgery this offseason. And Jefferson doing all the incredible things he's done in his first two seasons. That's, that stands on its own. Dalvin Cook in the backfield. And then a little-known player goes by the name of Irv Smith Jr. at tight end. We haven't seen a whole ton from him because he was, you know, he, he was drafted in 2019. Kyle Rudolph was still on the roster. Irv comes on, you know, late in 2020. And then he's gone all of last year because of a meniscus tear he he sustained in the regular or the preseason. So the old adage, if you got one football to go around, I am very curious about how Kirk Cousins is going to distribute that football and what this offense is going to look like with a fresh perspective in this team maybe you know, going away from that run-first mentality a little bit. Weaknesses for the Minnesota Vikings. What you got? The weakness for me with this team is all that new that you mentioned, right? Where change for the sake of change is not often a good idea. It didn't feel like to me that's what the Vikings were doing. You even mentioned there on the intro that it felt like a long time coming and that changes had to be made. And I mentioned the talent on this roster. Like it just felt like on a team with, you know, the Justin Jeffersons and Dalvin Cooks of the world, they just couldn't kind of get over the hump, even with a Kirk Cousins, who's a pretty good stable quarterback. And so in order to change the culture I guess you do a clean sweep but that also can create just such a new dynamic that things don't pan out you're talking about a rookie head coach and so I do think that's probably the concern there like I understand everybody wants a piece of that Sean McVay coaching tree and and that's why O'Connell gets his job let's not pretend like that doesn't have something mm-hmm. to do with it but he didn't call plays and nobody seemed to mind that's fine I just don't know how good he's going to be in in this position frankly that's the concern I would imagine in terms of weakness okay opportunities for this team I know that everyone will look at the NFC North and say it's Green Bay's to win that the gap between the Packers and the Vikings is still pretty considerable I am one of those people but I think the weaker and I use air quotes even though people can't see me using my air quotes the weaker NFC this year puts the Vikings in prime position to be a playoff team via a wild card spot. Like as I was running through the teams that could compete for those final three playoff spots, the Vikings to me are are like the seventh team. It's either them or Philadelphia. And their schedule is not awful next year. It's actually more favorable than it was a year ago. They've got the NFC East in that mix. They've got the AFC East in that mix too. So, to me, if things can break their way with the schedule and they can win, the, you know, and they can not be in all of these one-score games the way that they were last year, giving me a heart attack on deadline because I didn't know whether they are going to win or lose, I was going to turn my story in late, then they can actually probably tilt the, the meter on the, uh, in the way of the win column versus ways they weren't able to do last year. You seem a little uh, shell-shocked for your, from your time. That took years <laughs> of my life, Andy. Covering this team. That happened to me uh, for two straight I, years. 
I can understand. I think opportunity here, Kirk Cousins also has an opportunity, right? Because I don't know, Courtney, obviously you cover this team for a long time. I mean, you can tell me, is it fair that he kind of has this reputation of like never being able to get the wins that you need? Yeah. I, I don't know if it's a real fair reputation. No, Kirk Cousins, I, I think it's realistic. Turn it around. You heard my nasally voice there in the rejoin when I'm talking about his career <laughs> earnings. The guy has made millions, hundreds of millions of dollars, and he's won one playoff game. Right. I think that's all completely fair and realistic rhetoric around Cousins. Um, but it's all going to depend now, you know, in, t- in terms of the opportunities. I think the opportunity for him being in the, this offense is going to bring out his best, bring out the best in Kirk Cousins. He's reunites with Kevin O'Connell, who was his quarterback's coach for a season in Washington. Uh, there's a lot to be still tapped into there, I think, with Kirk Cousins. All right. Quickly, the threats for the Minnesota Vikings. Uh, I think the threat would be if their new look 3-4 defense doesn't work out. Like, they brought in Sedarius Smith from the Packers. That seems like a very good acquisition for them. But again, a lot of new, and it will, even though they've got a lot of great pieces on that defense, it's going to look very different schematically. So I'll make that my threat. Okay. I like that one. The 3-4 defense, I'm actually very excited to see what Ed Donatel brings to the Vikings. We've we've you know known this team as a defensive-minded group. When Mike Zimmer was the head coach for eight years, they get to shift their philosophy here. They added a lot via the draft. Lewis Seen, their first-round draft pick, and they you know they passed up on, on 14 players there in the first round when they were supposed to draft at 14. And they end up getting their safety to pair next to Harrison Smith uh, in the in the secondary, which absolutely needed to be reworked. But I agree with you. I mean, if that's going to work out, like the personnel that you had that you're going to now mix into this defense, how do they work when they're you know, standing up to rush the passer? Just a lot, of, a lot of different things, a lot of new, which very well could be a threat for the Minnesota Vikings this season. Uh, and we'll continue our Vikings talk, actually, here. Vikings ESPN Radio Takeover. I feel like my worlds are colliding here on Canty and Carlin on ESPN Radio and the ESPN app. But coming up next, Tiger says that live players have turned their back on the PGA Tour. We discuss the latest from Tiger Woods, St. Andrews on Canty and Carlin, ESPN Radio and ESPN+. Plus. Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal, and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. And Carlin, ESPN Radio, ESPN Plus, Courtney Cronin, and Amber Wilson sitting in for the guys on this Tuesday afternoon during a news conference at the 150th Open Championship at St. Andrews on Tuesday. Tiger Woods had this to say about those participating in Live Golf. To play there, I disagree with it. I think that uh, what they've done is they've, they've turned our, their back on what has allowed them to get to this position. Some players have never got a chance to even experience it. They've gone right from the amateur ranks right into you know that organization. But what these players are doing for you know guaranteed money, what, what is the incentive to practice? What is the incentive to go out there and earn it in the dirt? Okay, so Amber, I, I understand where, where Tiger Woods is coming from, and he does kind of carry that, you know, this is how I did it, this is how I made my money and became, you know, the best golfer in the world. I practiced, I, you know, didn't take any sort of shortcuts. But I think also within what Tiger Woods was saying was him proving his point. Like, these are not 
golfers that every weekend are making the cut during PGA Tour events. These are guys who have no way to make this money other than to go on the Live Golf Tour and, you know, play a part of these shotgun tournaments and and kind of do it in a different way that is not traditional to PGA golf. Coming from the guy who's earned over $100 million just in career earnings from Tiger Woods, right? And at the time, the only golfer to do so. I mean, maybe it kind of falls on deaf ears a little bit. Tiger Woods is reportedly worth something like a billion dollars. So, of course, he doesn't need to go take the money and play for Live Golf. I do think he has an interesting point, though. I think what he's trying to say, and maybe the source isn't the best source, but I think what he's trying to say is it's inconceivable to think about these golfers growing up, dreaming of playing in majors, and then them for going the opportunity it's one thing Courtney for the Brooks Kepkas or Dustin Johnson's of the world to do it they've already won majors right and so they will have invites to those majors it's another thing when we're talking about right now the guys coming out of college right or in a few years and they go straight to live and they won't ever be able to qualify for the majors and so then you're talking about guys who grew up their whole lives from the time they were you know three years old dreaming of playing in a master's and never actually getting the opportunity to do so And I think that's really what he's referencing. Yeah. And it makes sense if the PGA is going to continue its ban of live golfers going forward and not allowing them to participate in PGA events. And, you know, they've changed a lot of their thinking because of live golfer live golf, pulling more of their golfers off the tour. But Tiger Woods remaining pretty critical, and and at least he's stayed the course with how he feels about this tournament and hasn't moved his own goalposts. Minnesota Vikings finished 8-9 and last season. They missed the playoffs in back-to-back years, and then they cleaned house. So what does this new regime, this new era, look like in Minnesota? This is Canty and Carlin on ESPN Radio, the ESPN app, Courtney Cronin, Amber Wilson tapping in now with Matthew Collar. He covers the Minnesota Vikings for Purple Insider. So what have I missed the last, like, three and a half months since I left? You know, it's actually been not exciting, which is really weird for the Vikings because normally, as you so well know, there's, like, headlines all the time. So I've kind of just been hanging out the summer, like, waiting for them to be the same old Vikings, but maybe it truly is a new era. Well, of course, it's not exciting because you don't have Courtney Cronin around anymore. Trust so. me, we, oh, wow. we he and I have talked about this, like how different <laughs> our lives are now that we're not covering the same team. But Matthew, you mentioned, of course, it is a new era there in Minnesota. And Kirk Cousins, you know, he's got that reputation as a quarterback who isn't good enough to lead his team anywhere, uh, whether fair or not. Now he's got a rookie head coach at the helm. What kind of position do you think he's in this season? Is he set up for success? Yeah, I think that like, that's the question that gets answered this year because you can always go back to the time between Mike Zimmer and Kirk Cousins and say that was a shotgun marriage. Like They did not necessarily want to be paired with each other. Mike Zimmer never wanted his team to sign a super expensive quarterback. He always wanted to win with defense. And as we went along and they missed the playoffs and things got tense and then vaccination status started to become a debate, it became clearer and clearer that those two were just not made for each other. And what the Vikings intentionally did here was they went out and they got a head coach who could be best paired with Kirk Cousins, a guy who coached Kirk before, a former quarterback, 
coming from an offense that had a ton of success in the passing game, elevating another quarterback in Matt Stafford last year with the Rams, who had been talked about as someone who couldn't get his team over the top. I think that there's maybe deserved skepticism, though, on that. I mean, Kirk Cousins will be 34 years old this year. I mean, are we talking about a a new offensive mind coming in and completely changing things for someone who's 34 years old. I think that's really hard to say, but I think that the ownership of this team wanted to find out like how much was Kirk Cousins being held back. Can a new offense that really focuses more on Justin Jefferson than the running game, take them over the top as an offense and drive the success of this team rather than trying to be run first and play defense like they were under Mike Zimmer. Talking with Matthew Collar, he covers the Minnesota Vikings for Purple Insider. It appears that more things change, the more they stay the same. Cornerback depth and the interior of the offensive line remain two big question marks for the Minnesota Vikings. Of these two, which have the te- which has the team taken more steps to solve this offseason? Yeah, I mean, I think that the secondary is probably where they took more steps because they drafted Lewisine to pair with Harrison Smith that we have not seen, right? Lewisine, we have not seen <laughs> a, uh, a safety of his uh, caliber. <laughs> um, usually it's been undrafted free agents or late-round draft picks or cheap free agents that they put next to Harrison Smith. So that could be an instant game-changer with someone with his talent level. Also drafting Andrew Booth Jr., bringing back Patrick Peterson, adding Shandon Sullivan, like they tried to patch that thing together. I'm still a little puzzled at what they did on the offensive line, or rather what they didn't do, which was replace their center. Last year by PFF metrics, uh, Garrett Bradbury was last in the NFL in pass blocking grade, and they're going to run him out again. And the right guard competition, um, Courtney, it might be a little bit better than Ole Udo last year, or say the Drew Samias and the like of the past, but I mean, Chris Reed versus Jesse Davis at right guard, which I know your whole audience wanted to hear about this, but it's, it has really been such a huge deal with the offensive line and the Vikings the last few years that that may be a determining factor of can Kevin O'Connell get more out of Cousins? Well, can the offensive line perform better than they have in the past? We are in some Minnesota Vikings minutia, and Courtney Cronin is grinning. Uh, That's exactly Kohler, where we like it. It's, it's like going back home, isn't it? Matthew Collar, Minnesota Vikings reporter for Purple Insider, joining us here on Canty and Carlin. So, Matthew, you mentioned there the age of Kirk Cousins. I mean, his head coach now is only a few years older than him. That's got to be weird uh, for these older quarterbacks in the league as we trend towards these younger coaches. Mike Zimmer was in his mid-60s, whereas O'Connell is on the upper end of his mid-30s. Just from that perspective, as you're covering this team, do you notice stark differences between the younger coach, the way that, you know, the younger guys are now doing it? Yeah, I think the biggest thing is, well, for one, uh, Courtney and I had Grandpa Zim there the whole time. So now having a coach that's close to my age is kind of weird. But, uh, you know, really, I think the sports science approach to things with Kevin O'Connell that they're bringing over from Los Angeles, where in minicamp, normally the practices were pretty intense. They were not intense at all. It was hard to write, like, takeaways for minicamp. Like, yeah, everybody was out there, but they weren't doing a whole lot, which is intentional because health is a big issue in the NFL. Any team that wins the Super Bowl, usually you look back and go, well, weird, they were one of the healthiest teams in the league. And the Los Angeles Rams really understand that. and They brought people in to uh, intentionally take a sports science approach as opposed to Mike Zimmer, who kind of always pushed back against reducing practices and things like that. And uh, Mike Zimmer 
played his starters in the third preseason game last year, and Irv Smith got hurt for the entire year. I don't think we'll see them do things like that. Also, the emphasis on instead of coaching the players, hey, this is what I'm telling you to do, go do it. Kevin O'Connell really wants the players to understand the bigger picture and ask questions and have a say in the offense. And there's a little bit of a, you know, a delicate dance when you're a player's coach like that. Mm -hmm. But I think him being a former player, those are some of the areas that this team is looking to improve upon that aren't necessarily they added this or that player in the offseason. But can we do things a little bit smarter to get that extra 10% that results in them getting back to the playoffs? Minnesota Vikings participated in 15 games decided by eight points or fewer, hoping that they turn the tide uh, from that cardiac nature of football games coming up this season. He is Matthew Collar, Minnesota Vikings reporter for Purple Insider, joining Courtney Cronin and Amber Wilson here on Canty and Carlin. More coming up next, ESPN Radio.